Next in Marketing is hosted in partnership with Triple Left, the essential marketplace for advertising solutions across every channel and for every objective. The only major supply-side exchange designed to make advertising better for everyone, advertisers, publishers, and consumer. This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke to David Cohen, CEO of the IAB. David talked about why, even as CTV ad spending is exploding, many media companies and marketers are being held back by what he calls legacy thinking with regards to what can be considered premium video. David and I also talked about the state of the digital ad industry, his concern that many brands still aren't ready for a post-cookie world, and where he thinks regulation may be headed. Let's get started. Everything we know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is David Cohen. He's the CEO of the IAB. David, thanks for being here. How are you? I am doing great. It's good to see you, Mike. Good to see you as well, um, and I'm glad I'm catching you at this particular time uh, because not long ago, I saw you um, open up the upfronts as part of as part of one of the early presentations, and I thought it was super interesting because that week was clearly like it felt like a, well, first of all, the industry was back in person at so many of these events, and it was uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm for this industry and CTV in particular and you know, like all of a sudden web video doesn't seem like it's fighting for its spot as it used to be. But you had some kind of pointed words up top. Um, not, I wouldn't say you were calling out the industry, but sort of warning people, Hey, we got to, there's some things we need to fix, even though things are rocking and rolling here. Can you maybe talk about the, those comments and where they come from? Uh, sure. Happy to do it. Um, I, you know, I think that if you look at the marketplace, uh, it's growing very healthily, uh, which is which is nice to see. Um, we do have some uh, challenges, some legacy thinking, some legacy mentality. That the market as a whole is undergoing a tremendous uh, rearchitecture, uh, thinking about privacy and addressability and the. Um, you know, the use of data, um, it's really a, um, I've never seen in my, I've I've been in the digital business for quite some time. It's, there's probably more change going on over the past year or two than we've seen in, uh, in a very, very long time. So there's that component of that, which I would say we haven't quite cracked the code, uh, as an understatement, uh, in terms of what does that look like in the future? So that's kind of, I guess, one, one bucket. Uh, the, the other one is, um, we tend to, as an industry, as you know, you've been covering this for a long time, we, we talk about hype and hyperbole, and we talk about all the change that is happening, but it takes us a long time uh, to, to to move the industry. And um, right. some of the legacy thinking, some of the legacy metrics, you know, the focus on reach and frequency, the focus on year-on-year GRPs and cost reductions, um, the, those are things that I th- I think it's time for us to potentially... Uh, readdress. Uh, you know, maybe we should be focusing more on performance and, and business outcomes and uh, efficiency does not equate to effectiveness. Th- those kinds of mm-hmm. things, I think, was 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 part of what I hope to start with uh, for the New Fronts presentation. So we've got some work to do as an industry, obviously, as, as IAB and, and Tech Lab, we are uh, up to the challenge and working with the industry to, to solve some of these problems. So behind all of the exuberance and the excitement, um, there's some work to do, uh, would be the simple answer. 
I want to get into some of your points there, um, but it, it strikes me, like you said, you, you and I have been around a little while, a little bit here, but uh, I, I rarely remember a market where the, where the spending is almost like it didn't have to sell itself at all. You know, it's, the spending is almost like ahead of the infrastructure and the, and the, and the fundamentals. Um, is that, is that like, I guess, could that, that lead to sort of unforeseen problems? Well, I mean, if, if you think if there's one consistent thing that I hear um, being a recovered buy side executive myself um, is I'm looking for high quality supply. That is kind mm-hmm. of the we there is that is always there's this insatiable desire to to find new sources of high quality supply. High quality is also an interesting topic. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. You know, we talk about this term premium video, mm-hmm. which I think is, um, you know, historically, if you go back to what the market defined as premium video, it might be, or hopefully is quite different than what premium video is uh, is today. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's been a combination of consumers radically changing their behaviors and habits, the decline of linear consumption, the growth of streaming consumption, and the the knowledge uh, that Sight, Sound, and Motion is is our most effective and powerful marketing mm-hmm. tool that has led to kind of the market that we're that we're in today. All right, I want to get it, I want to ask you about some of those specific things because I you you hear some of these things a lot, and it really depends on who you talk to, and, and I think where they came up through the industry or where their thinking is. Um, but one of them is. You're seeing why do you think what's wrong with this legacy thinking that because I, I think you're right a lot of the a lot of the dollars that have come onto CTV initially are sort of just like TV money moving over trying to do the same things that you've done on TV for a while which I guess could be transitional or it's like maybe something mm-hmm. is not uh, built for the way this medium is going to develop. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's probably when you talk about source of volume. Uh, there's definitely some that is kind of re-expressed um, legacy television dollars. We've done a, a bunch of research that actually uh, would indicate that some of the uh, concern, confusion, um, insert whatever other descriptor you'd like, around uh, the the demise of third-party identifiers, cookies, mobile IDs, has actually translated into folks moving money out of potentially uh, some of the legacy digital channels, if that's mm-hmm. not a misnomer, uh, right. into um, into CTV. So CTV has been a recipient of some of those dollars uh, as well. Yeah, that, uh, my cookie money's not working the way it used to. Let's go to this thing instead. It's, right. it's hot. Well, uh, uh, yes, kind of, right. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what, what's, uh, I guess, what's the... That that seems to be, um, you're, you're you're taking a medium that was supremely targeted or, or very well where targeting was fundamental, and it's changing. And now you're going to a place where it's kind of all over the place. Uh, are, are those brands finding frustration and trying to do the same things they were able to do in the open web with the le- the legacy media that you're you're talking about? You know, the thing that I always, I mean, this might frustrate you, but I'm not going to necessarily answer your question. The thing I I think is really hard to do is characterize the market with one broad brushstroke. You know, so in some cases, um, you know, we tend to over-index our discussions around 
the top 200 advertisers, the big television mm-hmm. advertisers. But, but, but by and large, that is not uh, representative of the digital ecosystem um, uh, as a whole. There are No, you've got 10 million brands on Facebook millions. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, and I think the CTV uh, marketplace, while it has, um, is, is increasingly becoming programmatically enabled, which is mm-hmm. opening up the aperture to uh, small and mid-sized advertisers, unlike anything that we have seen, certainly in the linear television space. Uh, it's really hard to, to just cast uh, a broad brushstroke comment and this is the market. You know, I think it's very different mm-hmm. if you're a upstart e-commerce DTC player or if you're a big packaged goods player. So right. uh, I think it's different strokes for different folks. Sure. You're not frustrated me at all. This is, um, this is why I, 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 this was the, um, when I was a reporter and I would talk to you, David, you would, um, not put up with my BS. If you don't like, if you don't like, the, if you thought the question <laughs> yeah. didn't make sense. Well, or at, least I'm, at least I'm true to my brand. That's yes, good. It's very consistent. So I appreciate that. Um, okay. So you kind of hinted at this and it was going to be one of my questions. Cause one thing that struck me about the new fronts, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I am putting, using broad brushes to describe the groups there, but it was um, – you kind of had the CTV or the streaming companies, and I'm thinking of Roku, Samsung, Amazon, who were talking about selling TV – selling ads that appear on TV sets through, through streaming. And then you had the folks like Snap and TikTok and others who were talking about, hold on, there is a massive audience for – Call it social video, mobile video, mostly that not really on the television a whole lot. YouTube is kind of the crossover. And I wonder if, again, this is going to depend on who you talk to, are they in the same playing field or are you still seeing some of this weird characterization of what's quality or what's video and what isn't? Yeah, it, it's it's a good question. And we're, we're spending quite a bit of time um, thinking that through and helping to kind of um, – quantify or, or qualify uh, some of these topics. I, I think it's fair to say the game has changed. The definition of premium is not the same as it is for me and for you. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the creator economy is really disrupting Hollywood. I think if there was a, you know, a takeaway from the new fronts and the upfronts weeks, uh, it's that you know the, the historical belief of what premium video is, is, is entirely being uh, rethought. There are, there's lots of stats, which I'm sure you've seen as well. The amount of time that consumers are spending consuming video on TikTok, um, mm-hmm. you know, as an example, uh, exceeds that of the time spent on Netflix, which is just one data point. Insane, there, which it, is insane. Just re, yeah. Radically rewriting um, our belief as to, uh, you know, video consumption. And what's premium to me is not necessarily what's premium to you. So, I think that it, it, the sooner that we move our conversation around performance and driving business metrics, uh, it could be uh, a TikTok video, it could be something on Snap, it could be something on YouTube, it could be something on NBCU. It's yep. real. I mean, the market decides what works and what doesn't work. Not not me and you. Right, right. Per- performance marketing is um, it's a meritocracy, or it should be over time if you if you set it up the right way. Um, so that, that yes. should play out if you put everybody in the same bucket. Um, you you kind of hinted at this. Well, yeah, and I think you're right. Like a, I, I always do this, but I shouldn't do it. My, you know, if you ask my kids my fa- their favorite show, they'd probably say Mr. Beast, which is a YouTube star, a big YouTube yeah, star. Yeah. Yep. That's completely premium to them. But you'll you'll have brands who will think of that in one way, and others are very much bought into that. But it, it, that's that's something that's going to evolve over time. It seems like. 
Um, you hinted that you spent you spend a big chunk of your career on the buy side. Lots of talk about the what's going to happen with the currency battles right now. Again, some of that might be this legacy thinking. Some of it's just like we got to find something better because things are changing. If you could, I mean, it's hard again, hard to predict. Where do you, where do you think that's going to play out this year and maybe in the coming years? Yeah, it's a it's a really good it's a good question. And and if I could predict the future, Mike, I right. probably tell would me be who's going to win else, exactly something yeah. else for a living. But anyway, I I think that it's fair to say we we've, we've had secondary guarantees. Um, for a long, long time. Uh, and so that's not a new thought. You have a mm-hmm. pr- primary guarantee, you have a secondary guarantee. Um, I think the market has changed sufficiently such that um, we're in this test and explore phase, which is um, which is something that we haven't necessarily seen at the rate that we're seeing it now. Uh, and we'll end up likely with a small handful of options. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to be dozens and of different, because the market simply will be too complex to manage yield and manage performance on both sides. But, you know, the, the I forgot who it was that, that made this analogy. I think it was Bill from Comscore. Not dissimilar to, uh, you know, credit reporting services. There are, you know, three credit reporting services uh, and... They kind of all exist for basically the same purpose. And whether you use Experian or Equifax or TransUnion, there's three versions of the quote-unquote truth. And I think that that, will, that that could be a similar analogy to uh, where the market evolves. I, I think that Nielsen is clearly going to be one of them, uh, and I think mm-hmm. that there will probably be one or two others. Right. It's be- it's probably better than one source of truth, but you really don't need 10. That's just not realistic for doing business. Well, you look, think about what's, how in digital we've grown up for 25 years. We had, you know, Nielsen, we had Comscore, we had some Wiley upstarts. There was always um, kind of a, a variety of, mm-hmm. of sources of truth. We had ad server data. I mean, it, this is digital kind of from from day one. And I think that the the, the linear television world or the video world is kind of um, following a similar pattern. You are not, but you are very, it's been interesting because I think, I think uh, six months ago, some people might've been betting like, wow, Nielsen is in trouble. Um, and obviously they have had to evolve their products and they, and they had some issues in COVID like a lot of other companies, but they are, it's, you're already, you're already reading about how they're emerging as well. You know what? We're actually going to do a lot of business with Nielsen this upfront and they're stepping up. You're, you're, you're bullish on, or maybe bullish isn't the right word, but you're, you feel like they are going to be in the mix here. You know, the, um, one of the things I learned being on this, uh, the trade association side with 700 members is that I love all of our members dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right. uh, we, uh, you know, if I'm going to be entirely honest, this is a hard problem. Um, this is not a simple, you know, there's a knee-jerk reaction that there was a, um, there was an issue that happened during COVID, there was a problem that happened, an aperture was opened, and, uh, you know, overnight, Nielsen is going to um, be out of business. I don't think that's realistic. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. Nielsen, for decades, has been a... Uh, a reputable, objective source of truth. Um, I think the market has also become in, become commensurately more complicated. Uh, and uh, I don't think that necessarily has to be a single 
uh, provider, but I think that there could be, um, as I said, uh, a handful. One of the things that I routinely um, cite is an uh, American scientist that I came across named Roy Amara, and he, had, he came out with Amara's Law, which said that in the technology space, we tend to overestimate the impact in the short term and underestimate the impact in the long term. And I think uh-huh. that that's kind of what we're seeing. It's all about the kind of over-sensationalizing and over-hyping and the world is ending. And that's, that's not how the world works, right? I think we will come up with a gradual set of solutions. And I, I do believe that Nielsen will be one of them. Right. It's, it's, very, it's not very realistic to just completely upend the what underpins the 70% billion dollar marketplace in a, in a, in a couple of months. It's just not, not the way it's going to work. It would be, it's just too, probably too, too precarious, too dangerous to, to try and attempt something like that. Um, I did want to ask you something you hinted at earlier. We, we, we keep talking about how CTV is, is evolving and how television is eventually going to be, we, we, we think delivered through, through streaming pipes pr- primarily what that means for, for marketing and ultimately, whether it should be performance based, where to get there, you you need, you probably need. Putting aside currency, you need uh, targeting and measurement to be more data driven than it is. It, it seems like that's been. There's a lot of promise there, but but maybe also a little bit too much hype. Do you agree with that? And then, and why do you think things are maybe moving a little bit slow there? Well, I mean, you know, the the thing that that I, um, which I believe is a truism, as the market is kind of playing itself out in the in the upfront season, is despite all of the conversation around that the world has changed, I, I believe, depending on on who you talk to, you know, eighty to ninety percent of the market is continuing to be transacted on a Nielsen Age Sex demo, which. Mm-hmm. Um, which is mind-boggling to me, uh, for the for the simple reason that um, the, the planning process, the uh, the creation of custom targets, and then the go-to-market execution, which is kind of these big, broad demographic demographic swaths of audiences, they they don't connect with one another, and and the the fact that we have not yet, as an industry, come up with uh, scaled solutions that connect the planning to the execution is just um, just surprising to me, uh, and hopefully yeah. we'll see some innovation uh, in that area. VideoAmp, as an example, is the one company that gets cited as kind of really focusing on that and delivering a solution uh, for the the marketplace. I, I mean, we have, as we said before, we've got seventy years of legacy. We have market mix models that tell us that you put this in market, this is what happens to your cash register. You mm-hmm. have uh, a focus still uh, uh, as in the industry of year-on-year cost reduction based on I bought widgets for 10 cents this year. I want to buy widgets for 8 cents next year. I mean, right. there's this... I got to beat the market CPM. That's what the most... You I got to beat the market rate of change. Yeah, I have I have bases that started since time immemorial. I'm not giving those up. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of... There's all sorts of things that are inhibiting the movement of the market um, to follow consumers. Okay. Um what about you? I mentioned again your former buyer history. I wonder what you think of this. You know, do you find it ironic at all or frustrating that, uh, as much as like we, we've talked about how the identity uh, variables are changing radically in digital advertising, and there's always the complaint that the walled gardens are winning and taking more. Um, 
you know, you know, attention and, and dollars, but then you, you're starting to see almost every big media company is almost kind of building their own walled garden thing with their own identifier and own kind of closed system. What do you think of that? Um, well, we, we at IAB and, and um, at Tech Lab, we're, we're in the business of interoperability. We're in the business of open standards, Mm-hmm. Um, that is why we exist. Now, on top of those, one could build proprietary solutions. Um, I, I think that the the reality of the market is that we tend to over-index on the the former, uh, on, on the latter, and uh, and under-index on the former. So we're we're focused on developing a a better mousetrap as a proprietary mm-hmm. solution to beat our competitors, as opposed to aligning on a common kind of baseline or foundation. And on top of that, you can build, um, you know, some, uh, some distinct uh, products and services. You know, what do I think about that? I think the market will decide what wins and what doesn't win. Uh, You know, our job is to, is to, is to hopefully give the market things that, uh, whether it's a vast standard or whether it's a creative standard or whether it's an open RTB standard, things that are interoperable across the industry. And, and I'm, my hope is, is that we're not going to end up with a market that has dozens of, um, of gardens that don't talk to one another. That would be a, a really difficult uh, market to navigate if you're a buyer yeah. or if you're a seller. Yeah. And, and most likely won't be great for consumers in the end, because they're, if, they're, if these, if these pieces are not talking to each other, there's not going to be a lot of synchronous, um, orchestration at the planning level or the execution level. Um, what about, let's, let's maybe take a step away from CTV and television for a second. You mentioned it. There's so much change going on with, uh, what's, what Apple's done with app tracking and, and how the limitations on data there. And then the cookie deadline, what we've already, cookies are already not part of several different big browsers and the D day is coming for Google you know, in a, in a less than a year, I guess, how are we, how is the industry doing kind of preparing for that post cookie life? while also the idea that regulation is looming in the background, whether it's from Europe, from here or somewhere else. Well, we could have, we could have done our entire session on this topic. I, yes, I think absolutely. Um, we, we have been doing some research at IB for, uh, I believe it's four or five years. Um, we call it the state of data research. And the general um, reason that we've done it is to kind of get a handle on uh, the readiness of the industry um, for kind of this, uh, the the change that we're moving to uh, as it relates to privacy, regulation, and responsible data use. Uh, And it's been interesting to see over time how that has has manifested itself. Our latest state of data research... um, is a, uh, a tale of two cities, if I was to kind of summarize it. If you ask, we asked a bunch of folks, um, you know, brands, agencies, senior executives, how prepared are they for the impending change in third-party identifiers and mobile IDs? And I think mm-hmm. it was about three quarters of them that said that they are prepared. But when you double-click on that and ask about their increased use of AI or uh, first-party data, or you know, when two-thirds of them say their measurement strategies haven't changed year on year, you, you kind of you realize that um, we really aren't taking this as seriously as we need to. 
uh, as an industry. There is nothing that is not going to change in the business as uh, over the next, let's say, two to three years. And every part of that, whether it's identification of your target, whether it's uh, execution, whether it's measurement and attribution, if you're not rethinking all of that, uh, you're, you're not prepared. So I don't know what the three quarters of you uh, that say that you are prepared are doing if you're not thinking about some of these other um, uh, other requirements. I mean, I, I think that we have not done ourselves as an industry a service. Um, we can talk about Apple and their role in the ecosystem, um, which has been a forcing function. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but we have kind of these deadlines that kind of continue to get pushed back and we need to, um, I, I think that we just need to stick to a timeline and make sure that folks know. And, and you know, this industry, we don't make changes until we have to make changes. I was going to say, it's just, matter, it's just it sort matter. of just like if they tell you the final exam has been moved a couple of months, you start studying like the night before still. Like, like, yeah. I mean, I, I remember vivid. Yeah. I remember vividly when I was on the agency side, it was kind of GDPR as an example mm-hmm. was something that we heard in the background. It was, and then, it, and then it became, Oh my goodness, we need to do something now. And then people spring into action and you actually uh, cram, as you said, for the exam at the last minute, because <laughs> you have it tomorrow. So I think that, that there's a, there's definitely a similarity uh, to that. You know, a- Apple is the kind of arbiter for us all on kind of privacy. I-, I look at their ads that they put on television and kind of only they can kind of uh, save us from uh, kind of the the the, the tech uh, challenges and data challenges. It would have been great or would be great if Apple would start working with industry a little bit more than, or, or at all, uh, let's say, um, to, to be able to kind of make sure that we can architect solutions that work for all parts of the equation, consumers, regulators, and industry. Um, I, I think that they have been solely focused on what's right for them uh, and what they think is right mm-hmm. for consumers. So we can kind of park that to the side. But there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that regulation, which has taken the, the kind of state-by-state approach, uh, which is a um, a terrible kind of uh, disappointment relative to other parts of the world. The U.S. hasn't, and we were about a decade late uh, to the right. kind of national privacy reform scene relative to other parts of the world. But we are seeing, a, a, as recently as this week, some glimmers of hope around a uh, national privacy law uh, that would potentially so, supplant. So that would be better in your guys' mind that, that instead of this patchwork or different rules where, where you, you like a focus on a national privacy. Oh, without question. I mean, it, it's our singular. Um, I mean, if I was to put my finger on from a public policy standpoint, what is our singularly most important effort? It is to uh, move from this kind of state by state patchwork, which we now have five states. And to have a national privacy uh, law, which we can all at least know what the what the goalposts are, and what we need to do as an industry right. to kind of uh, meet that. Right now, it's um, the compliance costs are absolutely extraordinary. And as you think about kind of state by state, we're trying to think about or try to find commonality across, and it's it's very very difficult. We cannot continue on the path that we are currently on. But do you think, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not in D.C., I'm not, a, you know, I'm not talking to lobbyists and lawmakers. It feels like from afar, the, if, there is, if there is any kind of uh, mission or coordination to, uh, from, from Congress and, and 
and the administrative, you know, the executive branch, it seems much more about going after big tech and break, you know, maybe let's, let's either have the FTC go after Facebook or go after break up Google, then let's have a, a consumer focused law. Is that fair or, or not really? Well, I mean, if, if the barometer or yardstick that you're measuring that by is the um, the sound bites and the torrent of negativity that comes out of Washington around big tech, then I'd say you're absolutely right. Uh, if the uh, yardstick by which we're measuring is the uh, the amount of bills that have been debated on the House or Senate floor floor around national privacy reform, that that has not that's not as sexy and salacious as we're going to sock it to uh, big tech, which seems to be mm-hmm. taking up most of the oxygen in uh, outside of, of course, I mean, it, it goes without saying, we've got issues as a country far beyond, uh, sure. you know, the marketing and advertising space. We've got some space, stuff going think, on right now, yeah. We've got some stuff going on. So I think that, that that's an obvious, um, you know, inflation and uh, war in Ukraine and kind of global uh, political tensions. Sure. But uh, yeah, I think that the the... The focus, unfortunately, has been on um, on big tech more than it has been on. If we take that same level of uh, enthusiasm and intensity and, and devote it to uh, a national privacy law, I think we would have solved that uh, a little while ago. What about bringing this back to TV in a way? We don't – the privacy issues – there are seemingly serious privacy and identity issues looming in, te- in TV and CTV. We, you don't, they're mostly talked about in the context of uh, the, open, the open web or social networks. Are we not talking enough about this issue as CTV evolves and are there things to worry about there? We are not. Uh, I think that you're right. Uh, and there is no doubt in our mind that IP address as an example – uh, which mm-hmm. is obviously plays a big role in the CTV marketplace, it will not be immune from the same conversations that we're having around privacy, cross-site tracking, consumer consent. Uh, all, all of that is, uh, I, I just think it's um, it's probably in, uh, it's not being discussed nearly as much. I think the industry is focused largely on um, the web and mobile space, uh, but mm-hmm. you're right in in highlighting it that it is um, it is definitely going to be something that we're going to need to we're going to need to be focusing on. One, one other thing which you haven't asked me about, but the other thing that I think that we don't talk enough about, which coming from uh, a media guy's mouth or someone that's now focused on data and technology might be quite ironic, but the the creative side of the equation, which um, if you believe some of the, I think Nielsen re- released some stats during the new fronts or upfronts about the, if you look at marketing effectiveness, the role that creative plays is absolutely extraordinary. It was north of 80% of mm-hmm. marketing effectiveness is based on creative. Um, and I, I'm not sure uh, as an industry, we spend enough time thinking about uh, creative best practices, building in a modular way, understanding that personalization can realize itself uh, not only through data and technology, but through messaging and storytelling. And I think that that's an area that we need to focus on uh, as an industry. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you gauge think gauge that by um, v- VC funding, for example, you see far less going to you know creative development tools and optimization yeah. than you know targeting or pipes. Um, I wonder if we're gonna. Yeah, you're right because their promise of the it is between. 
social video and then it's certainly CTV that you're going to have far more personalized ads, far more optimization um, that has not been inherent to the video world so much historically. I, I wonder if we'll, yeah, like, are, are we even close to seeing enough innovation there or investment? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, obviously, when I was on the agency side, I had access to far more kind of knowing what's happening down on the ground with with brands. But from what I hear from our brands that are leaned into IAB, from our agencies that are leaned into IAB, all of this requires investment. Um, and, you know, do, do I build three spots or do I build 30 spots? And how do I think about this in a way that allows me to customize it based mm-hmm. on uh, the audience. It gets back to what we were talking about, you know, several minutes ago. If the, if I'm buying adults eighteen to forty nine, do I need thirty different pieces of creative? If I'm buying based on the tools that we have available to us from a personalization standpoint, of course, what resonates with me is going to be different than what resonates sure. with you. I, I think that it's um, it's really a question of is the juice worth the squeeze? I think that all the data that we have seen is that creative is incredibly important. The consumer experience is incredibly important. If we don't get this right, subscription services will continue to grow faster than um, advertising supported services. And that's obviously something that's not, uh, we don't want to see that happen. Um, because so. the, because the, ad experience will not be customized and will drive people crazy. And, and right. I mean, the things that we hear, exactly. Away. The things that we hear is that you're seeing the same ad, which is not necessarily a relevant ad over and over and over again. That's not a good experience. You need ads right. that are personalized to you with frequency controls that are reasonable. Um, I mean, you, you know that. So yeah, I think, especially uh, we as you mentioned, that. we're, we're, if we're not, if we're trying to go beyond those 200 top TV brands, you know, if you, if those, long tail performance advertisers want to come to television, they're going to need some help. They don't have, they don't always have big agency budgets and big, big creative shoots. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the innovation in thinking about efficient creative and storytelling that could be done in a uh, templated modularized way. There are companies that are focused on that. There are probably just not enough of them. And I think that's right. an area of um, innovation that we'll see uh, in the coming years. All right, David, I want to close with this one. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw one, one last thought, if you could. Is there something that we're not, is, is there an issue or challenge that we're not thinking about enough as either CTV explodes or this or this big shift that you talked about, re-architecturing happens that we need to focus more on as an industry? Um, I, I mean, we've, t- we've touched upon a lot of the, a lot of the challenges, I think. One of, one of the things that is just a Joe obvious statement is as a consumer, as a, as the industry, we have a paradox of choice. We've gone from, um, you know, a lot of choices to more choices than we know what to do with. Yep. So the question of, um, you know, we largely are in a mass scaled business. Uh, and, you know, the challenge of re-aggregating audiences is becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, and I think that that is something that we shouldn't underestimate. Um, yes. I, I just talked about the consumer experience. We shouldn't underestimate. The worst thing we can do is, uh, in the streaming space, clutter it with the same level of uh, ads that we have seen uh, explode in the cable right. industry. Consumers will simply not accept that. Uh, right. we need We've got to a moment right now. Work. We can't mess it up. We can't mess it up. Right. It's We're at that point 
where, um, you know, and I don't think we are yet. I think that we are kind of, we've been very, very, you know, whether it's five minutes an hour, six minutes an hour, seven minutes an hour, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're very judicious, uh, which is, I think is good. Um, and the thing that the market has to kind of wrap their head around is because of that, ads could quote unquote cost more. Yeah. Um, and that, that is just a, uh, people have an allergic reaction to that. Uh, but as I said before, efficiency doesn't equal effectiveness. We want to, you know, drive the cash register and we want to do that in the most effective way possible. Right, right. Inflation hits everybody, man. Um, all right, David, this was terrific. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, we appreciate it. Hopefully we'll talk again. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. A big thanks to my guest this week, David Cohen, CEO of the IAB, and of course, my partners at Triple Lift. If you like this week's episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.